Don't eat that fish. You don't know where it's been. After all, from fisher to vessel to buyer to processor to distributor to restaurant or grocery store to you, it's a long, complicated chain that provides many opportunities for things to go wrong. But what if you could be able to trace that fish all the way from the end of the rod or the net to your table and into your mouth with a high confidence of trust? That's what putting supply chain on blockchain can do for you. And today we welcome Eric Pacini of Citizens Reserve to the show to discuss how his team is putting all the pieces together. Does something smell fishy? We're going to have so much fin today, as long as Travis doesn't make a bass of himself. It's episode number 232 of the Bad Crypto Fish Cast. I mean, podcast. Oh, the fish puns, they could be rolling. And it's kind of ironic because we don't actually talk about fish too much in the supply chain interview. But welcome to the Bad Crypto Podcast. And Travis, are you going to make a bass of yourself? I'm not sure, but I just wanted to state for the record that you don't like seafood at all. And so that, this, <laughs> that teaser must have been really hard for you to write. Uh, it's fine. I mean, you know, I, I'll eat shrimp if that's what they're serving, you know, as hors d'oeuvres. Mm. Fried shrimp, boiled shrimp. Yeah. Shrimp cocktail. I know you love shrimp. The shrimp, I like shrimp cocktail is like literally my favorite. I found a uh, a a great grocery store here in town that serves that sells those um it's like for 1 pound you get maybe like 12 to 15 of them. And so they're like the big shrimps. And like if you go to a restaurant, like there's a restaurant in town, you go and you get four big jumbo shrimps and it's like $18. It's ridiculous. Or I can go to the grocery store and get like 30 shrimps for like twenty dollars, right? It's just a much, mm. it's a much better deal. All you gotta do is find the cocktail sauce you like. They're normally already cooked up, and uh, all you gotta do is rinse them off, and they're ready to go. I, I love me some shrimps, but I never know where they're from. No, you don't, and that's what we're gonna talk about today. But first, uh, thanks to you for listening, and shout out to our show sponsor, the nice people at Coin Payments. If you're a merchant. You want to connect with Coin Payments. These guys have been around since 2013 as the first altcoin payment processor that offered support for both Ethereum and Litecoin. And since then, they have accepted over 1,100 different coins and tokens on their platform. There's 2.3 million businesses and users across 182 countries around the world, and they facilitated over $1.5 billion in crypto transactions. Coin Payments net hosted wallets conversion fiat settlement functionality these guys are leading the way in helping the adoption of cryptocurrencies yeah and also i don't know if you guys have seen this or not but the coin payments blog they have a lot of really great information on there they talk about like which coins that there's that they're currently supporting which is like 1100 all the different news around coin payments they do merchant spotlights tutorials to help people get up to speed a lot of crypto articles and actually, I was chatting with Christina over there, and they're going to start doing more uh, interviews with their current customers because they have a lot of lot of happy people over there that have been working with them, and they don't have any like testimonials. So I was like, man, y'all need to get some testimonials up over there. So they are. That's what's going on next. And I'm sure they've got a lot of them. So thanks, CoinPayments.net. Appreciate it. And now we got a great interview with Eric Pacini, the CEO of Citizens Reserve. So let's do it. 
As we talk about blockchain moving forward, it's always interesting to find out which big companies have been moving in that direction. And we actually have the former global head of blockchain from Deloitte with us today. He's actually the CEO of Citizens Reserve, a tech startup behind a supply chain platform on the blockchain. His name is Eric Piscini. And Eric, welcome to Bad Crypto. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, we're we're glad that you're here, and I guess uh, you left Deloitte uh, what last year in the spring? Is that accurate? Yeah, about nine months ago now. So, how long was Deloitte Consulting working on um, building blockchain team, and you know what was your role in building that? Yeah, and actually, it's an interesting story because we started before the world blockchain existed. Um, and I remember one of the first discussions we had was actually called Bitcoin 2.0 because we didn't have a word for blockchain. Um, and uh, it was back in 2012 when we started to get some questions from some of our clients. And they were saying, okay, do I need to pay attention to this new Bitcoin thing? What does that mean for me as a bank, as an insurance company? Uh, what does that mean for me as a retailer? And so on. And so we started to consider the topic. I, I, I I, I spent you know, my entire Christmas break on reading up on crypto. Uh, back then, it was easy because it was not a lot to read. Uh, at the, the early uh, 20, 2012, so I did that over the break in 2011. And 2012, we started the practice. Uh, three people, very small. Uh, Deloitte is a 300,000 company, people company. Uh, and uh, it was just three of us. So we, uh, we started working on different topics from technology to strategy to uh, creating partnerships and, uh, of course, some accounting and tax considerations as well. Uh, and then we grew the practice over time. We worked with the largest companies in the world around every topic you can think of, pretty much, not only in financial services, but we did work in uh, loyalty and rewards. We did work in supply chain, of course. We did work in um, intellectual property and so on. So a lot of different um, opportunities to engage on uh, pretty much every industry. Uh, and then I left uh, nine months ago and the practice was 1,200 people worldwide uh, doing a lot of different projects still and um, a very exciting time. Growing a, a team from three to 1,200 was super exciting and Deloitte was a fantastic uh, shell and fantastic support to build this. There was, um, you know, I still consider them as my family, right? Because of, of what, what, what I've done with, with uh, many others. So it, it was a fantastic journey, and we went through the different crypto crisis along the way. Uh, we went to, uh, you know, convincing large organizations to do something uh, the right way to forget about crypto and think about what blockchain means for their business. It, it was it was very interesting, and we we also did talk to some uh, regulators uh, in the U.S. and outside of the U.S. and trying to educate them and convince them that this is a a topic for the future. We just want to let you know that you're our, we're, we are your new family now. Yeah, good. <laughs> Thank you. Good stuff. So, so while you were there at Deloitte, you worked on a lot of different projects since 2012. So, so you're pretty much an OG when it comes to the blockchain space. Yeah, I guess you're right, yes. For sure. So, what are, so aside from you know, uh, supply chain, which we're going to get into here in a little bit, what were yeah. some of the other main you know, industries and some of the unique use cases that you guys saw with Deloitte early on? Yeah, so I think early on we worked on uh, mostly on financial services, specifically around payments, which is kind of obvious, right? With when, when you think about Bitcoin and then the, 
the, the others. Um, one of the first use cases was to actually enable payment solutions. So that was one of the one of the main uh, topic. Uh, the other one I mentioned earlier was royalty and rewards, and how do you enable new type of um, customer experience by using blockchain to um, reward behavior and to engage with customers, uh, regardless of the industry. It could be financial services with credit cards, for example, but it could be the um, hospitality industry or it could be the airline industry. So we did projects for different industries there. The insurance industry was also very interesting for us. Um, still in financial services, but insurance has very unique challenges around, around blockchain. And we did some projects around different use cases in the insurance industry. We can go deep if you want to, but uh, really to um, enable the, the sharing of information and being able to trust this information across different insurance companies. So maybe I'll give you an example when when you have an accident um, and uh, it's two, per, two persons in the accident and, and those, those people have each of them an insurance company, right? And they are both in the same car. Uh, they can claim for the same accident twice with the two different insurance companies. And those insurance companies not always have the ability to, to see that this is the same accident. And so they end up paying twice for the same accident. Uh, and so that is a, a, tr- a traditional issue in the insurance business. And if you enable a data sharing platform based on blockchain between insurance companies, and you can you can um, remove that risk of fraud in the insurance industry. So mm-hmm. just to make it very real, you know that's what we are building. We are building business solutions for uh, for the insurance industry and many others. And then we we um, we worked with large manufacturers on supply chain and on uh, on intellectual property as well. And how do you how do you manage intellectual property more efficiently? and collect royalties when it's due. Um, so we did a lot of different um, uh, projects, if you want, and strategy and technology. At the end of the day, when you look at blockchain, you look at every transaction platform and every transaction fabric that we use today as individuals or as corporations, and all of those fabrics and platforms are being transformed uh, or replaced, by the way, right? It could be transformed if you do the right thing, or it could be replaced mm-hmm. by someone else. And and so it cuts across every industry. And we, we did touch, I think we touched every industry from, from pharma to financial services to telecommunication, hospitality, as I mentioned, uh, and many others. So we've talked about supply chain on the show before. In fact, Travis and I are both advisors on ship chain, which I'm sure you're mm, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, so we've discussed a little bit about the importance of being able to track and, and trace goods from supplier to retailer. But I don't think a lot of people, you know, know just how many steps, how many touch points there can be and in, in how blockchain really solves that problem. So maybe walk us through, a, you know, a scenario that demonstrates the power of this technology. Yeah, and I'll give you maybe uh, one of the use cases we are working on. So we are working on many different use cases, but the one that we are actually working on today as a team here um, is the, uh, the meat industry, the livestock industry. Uh, and so we are engaging with different parties. When you do supply chain, you have to realize that um, the supply chain is actually bigger and more complex than you originally think. So I'll give you the example in the meat industry. When you eat a filet menu in a restaurant, you not only need to know where the the meat is coming from, which farm, which cow, but you need how you need to know how the cow was fed, how the cow was uh, treated, what kind of drugs that cow was uh, taking during, during, during its life. Um, you also need to know how the logistics of that meat transportation was uh, uh, conducted. If it's an import from another country, you need to know 
whether it was done properly and on time and with the right temperature. So you have tremendous amount of data that you need to collect from our, from the very beginning uh, uh, of the process all the way to the consumption of the products. Um, and that what it, what it means is you have not only a lot of data, but you have a lot of partners that you need to engage and convince to join a new platform to track this information. And you also need to uh, create um, or remove, I guess, uh, the barrier to entry into uh, that technology. In supply chain today, if you're a large organization, you have enough money to buy sophisticated software and complex software. But if you're not a large organization, you don't have access to that. And so you end up being using either a third party to engage with other other um, um, suppliers and manufacturers, or you just cut your margin uh, dramatically because you cannot afford to not have the software. So you have to buy the software, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in, in a platform like, like blockchain-based solutions, you can actually use that platform at a lower cost than the traditional software. You can have better traceability, deliver a better solution to your consumers if you deliver to consumers or to anyone along the chain if you're in the B2B business. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the end of the day, the value is really not only about traceability when you talk about supply chain, but it's also about efficiency and it's also about access, having well, access to supply chain solutions. And it, it solves a lot of the problems of corruption and theft as well, right? Because Co- correct. when you've got so many different hands that are in, in the uh, the barrel there, you never know what people are picking out along the way. And I'm sure that, you know, some of it's just, um, you know, some, some data is just lost. Some of it's lost by accident. Some of it's lost intentionally. And so blockchain yeah. really provides an efficient method of, of tracking. Yeah, um, keep your hands out of my barrel, Mr. Joel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you got monkeys in your barrel. <laughs> Very good. So I want to talk a little bit about this. So you have the citizens reserve technology here. You know, you're doing some really interesting stuff with supply chain and you named it the suck you <laughs> s-u-k-u which is way better than the u-s-u-k which would be the you suck token uh what what how did you come up with the, the abbreviation for this so suku. it's actually it's actually suku and it's, suku. A, it's, a, it's a it's a short between supplier and customer right so the idea is to connect suppliers and customers directly and remove as many third parties as we can right that's why we call that suku that's ah, the origin of the name. It's a good thing yeah. you weren't kind of connecting financial people with them because then it would have to be an F. And that would be... No, yeah, that would... <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. So so yeah. what exactly, how does the ecosystem work with the Suku token? Yeah, so I think we have um, an ecosystem that's built around three different pieces. So one is um, what we are building ourselves and we are building the core of a supply chain solution, which is... Um, a marketplace, mostly focused on B2B at first, and a track and trace capability. Right? So those two things are kind of the foundation for any modern supply chain software. And once we have that, then we engage with technology partners. That's the second piece of the ecosystem. Technology partners are building additional features on the top of what we have. So it could be a warehouse management solution, for example, or it could be um, providing insurance products like we mentioned earlier or it could be providing RFID tag solutions because we do software, but we need to connect uh, the physical world to the digital world very effectively. And for that, we need people doing hardware and hardware in our world is RFID, NFC and other technologies. So that's an example of the technology partners that we are working with. Uh, So that's the second piece and technology partners. And then uh, the last uh, piece of the ecosystem, the last bucket, if you want, are trading partners and trading partners are people in a given industry 
who are um, incentivized to provide their information and to transact on the platform. And so I mentioned the meat industry, the livestock industry earlier. Um, what we are doing in the livestock industry is we are bringing people from farmers to people processing the, the animals to, to the distributors, but also some regulators and, and other service providers. So then when you go on the platform and you're, you're, you're part of the livestock business, you can um, subscribe on the platform to all the different services that you need, depending on who you are. Uh, and that's, that's the ultimate game of the platform is to provide a place where people can go and, and on demand engage into a given supply chain uh, with, with a consumer twist. If you look at this from a consumer point of view, uh, the, the dream that we have, that we are working on and delivering is I have, um, I go to a restaurant, I have my filet mignon in front of me, I have a mini flag on it with a QR code, I scan the QR code and I can know everything I need to know about that piece of meat if I want to, if I don't want to. Does don't that do mean it. you see a picture of the cow? I don't know if I want to do that. I mean, it, Exactly, it depends on, on, on what you want to do, right? But you can actually see where the farm is, uh, on the map, you can actually know what kind of uh, product that cow was uh, eating, um, kind of grain. His name, right? his name was Bessie. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Here's here's Bessie. Thanks for uh, for giving your life. Oh, and here's a picture of Bessie in the slaughterhouse. <laughs> right. <laughs> My nephew, I don't know. I'm vegetarian. I don't know. I, yeah. yeah, I don't know if you've been to a slaughterhouse, but um, yeah. It's not pretty. No, it's not pretty. But here's here's a way, you know, that blockchain can actually save lives. You know, in this past year, mm -hmm. we've seen a number of uh, contaminants, right? We had this deal with the, the uh, romaine lettuce, CDC, yep. that there was E. coli found in them. And everybody had, you know, an E. coli recall. Get rid of your, or your romaine recall. And uh, blockchain can really help to prevent these contaminations. It, it does. And not only that, but the uh, interesting fact about this uh, contamination of, of E. coli, which happens, by the way, every week, right? We, we hear about it every other month, but it happens very often, is, is usually you don't know where the lettuce is coming from, so you have to destroy the entire stock. Mm -hmm. And it's a huge waste and a huge impact, actually, on carbon foot, footprint as well, because you, you throw out you know, hundreds of thousands of lettuce because you don't know which one is contaminated. If you can try, track, track and trace the origin of the lettuce to a single farm, and, and make sure that that contamination happens there, then you can only destroy a very small portion of it. So there is a huge efficiency, sustainability uh, aspect as well as, of course, uh, safety for the consumer. And when you get your, your head of lettuce, there will be a little flag with a QR code on it, and you could see where he grew up. It, it, Leo, the lettuce. You yeah. know, <laughs> but, yeah, but that's I'm so handy. Right. I mean, yeah. especially like if for like cars and the recall of, of various different yeah. parts, because you don't have to necessarily, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater and every single piece that was made anywhere because you don't know where it was made. This right here can save folks a whole lot of money and yeah. maybe even save companies because some of those recalls are so expensive that, yeah. uh, you don't, I mean, when you talk about some of those ones like Toyota had. You know, their, their recall with their brakes, and they basically had to recall every single Toyota Corolla from, like, yeah. whatever year to whatever year. And, like, good Lord. And I, I know that not all of those components were, were messed up on every single one of those cars. Maybe it was one out of every 30. But, like, if you know exactly where they're coming from and you can identify those through the supply chain, through blockchain, and through QR codes, that can save companies a whole lot of money if they're in that sort of business. 
it does, and it's it's a it's a little bit uh, it's a, actually even better than that, right? Because usually you have insurance for those kind of situations in the car industry for recalls, um, but you pay a lot of premium because the insurance companies exactly know what you just said, and they charge you because they think that you're going to recall a lot of cars. If you can demonstrate that you have a blockchain solution, and now you're going to recall only the the cars that you actually for sure know that they have an issue, your insurance premium is going to go down. So you save money not only once it happens but you also save money on paying a lower insurance premium so it's always a lot of impact by having a better traceability regardless of the industry hmm. well let's expand our conversation here to the crypto market in general 2018 was a rough year for investing in crypto but blockchain mm-hmm. you know continues to develop and move forward so what do you think we learned from last year besides sell high you know and buy low and, and what do you think is going to happen as we go through 2019 into 2020? So I don't think we've learned by, by uh, low and, and sell high, but um, I think what we've learned is probably three things. One is that um, we had a lot of bad actors in the industry, and uh, hopefully those bad actors are disappearing as we speak. People just trying to make money out of nothing, like a white paper with, with a, a token. The second thing that we've learned, I think, is uh, that the maturity of the market is growing uh, because despite of the bear market, despite of the challenges, uh, we've seen the regulators being very much involved in the market, um, even though it's slow and because they are regulators after all, but they are still here and they are still talking about crypto, which means that we think that the crypto market is going to be here for the long run, which is good, which is a good demonstration that we are doing the right thing. Uh, and then I think the third piece is you, you, you are seeing, I think, more companies and people and organizations uh, focusing on uh, the blockchain aspect of it and less about the crypto aspect of it, which is also good because I think at the end of the day, what, what, what's very uh, disruptive is the blockchain technology. The crypto is, in my mind, the crypto is just an enabler of blockchain solutions and some blockchain solutions don't use crypto, some do. But at the end of the day, the, your real business value, long-term value is the blockchain. And blockchain in the business world means decentralized platform, but also decentralized business model. And that's what I think is very interesting, very disruptive uh, opportunity of a lifetime is to actually come up with new business models because the technology is here. Similarly to the internet, right? people came up with new business models because the internet was here. We are at the same phase now. And we are coming up with new business models because blockchain is here. It's a very, very interesting time for that. It and, is. And that's what we've learned last year. And, and we, we keep learning, right? It's not a, it's a journey. It's changed on a daily basis, it seems, as it evolves. Yeah. I'd like to ask you then, since you've been in the space since 2012, you've seen a lot of different you know, blockchain and, and cryptocurrency projects come and go. And I'm curious, you know, here in 2019, maybe what are some of the projects that you've seen Aside from, you know, Citizens Reserve, the one you're working on, what are some other projects that you've seen that, that are maybe interesting to you from if you put your Deloitte hat on or if you put your investor hat on, what are some projects that are really standing out to you currently? Yeah, and I think, um, so if I can put a third hat on as well, which is a citizen, right, because I think that's okay, important. For sure. Um, um, the first one I would say, uh, every project that is improving efficiency in a market, right? So, and, and it's very broad what I'm saying, but... Uh, in financial market, in, in uh, commerce market, in every market, you have a, a, a huge um, opportunity to change the way those markets work 
because you remove some third party, because we involve the end users of those markets way more, uh, you create more transparency, more traceability, better trust in the platform, and you can actually provide better service and cheaper service to consumers. So that's a, that's my Deloitte perspective. As an investor, um, it's very tricky because last year you were investing in token. This year, are you going to still invest in token or are you going to invest in equity? And to me, the challenge that we have today as an industry is if you invest in equity, but the team is actually working on a decentralized platform, that equity value is not going to go up. And I would argue the equity value might actually go down over time if that team is doing the right thing from a decentralization point of view, because the goal of the decentralized platform is to create token value or network value, not to create equity value. So that's a very interesting challenge as an investor. And for that reason, I would, if I'm an investor, I would focus on um, still buying tokens, actually, um, but buying tokens in projects that actually make a difference from a business point of view and not as much on the consumer side anymore, because I think we exhausted all the consumer uh, use cases. right? And then at, at, the, at, at a citizen level, I think what's interesting to me is every project touching financial inclusion. We are, we are way behind where we should be as on, on the planet, right? When, when we see that more than half of the population don't have access to financial services today, that is a shame to me, right? That, and I think, I think that's what I call our obligation uh, with blockchain. Our obligation is to improve financial inclusion for the, for the world. Um, and if there is one thing that, you know, I would do besides working what I'm doing now, uh, that would be that. That would be financial inclusion using blockchain. Because again, I think it, blockchain creates this, this obligation that we have to do something about it. So I guess before we finalize this, I'd like to ask you then, because you know we've been in this space and we've seen a few other projects that are doing some supply chain type stuff. You know, IBM's doing some supply chain stuff. Walmart's doing some supply chain stuff. Shipchain is a company that's doing some supply chain stuff and then there's like Walton chain and Venn chain and, or V chain and some of these other ones. So but maybe how is what you guys are doing there uh, at your project, the uh, citizens reserve, how is that different from some of these other projects? Yeah. So I, I think we, when we look at the market, we look at three different buckets of, 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 um, of projects. The first one is the traditional industry trying to replicate what they have leveraging blockchain as a technology or just leveraging blockchain because it's cool. But what they are doing is really reproducing the exact same platform they have today and build that on the blockchain, right? But at the end of the day, it is still a centralized platform. They still own the platform and you still have to pay them a a good chunk of money to actually use the platform, right? So that's one category of of players. The the second category of players are people using um, blockchain for supply chain, but very specifically for one piece of the supply chain, right? So they, they do, maybe they do, uh, just the traceability of containers, or they do just uh, a logistics or just warehouse management, right? And the challenge with that, in my mind, is that by creating that, you create actually more issues for the industry than, than less. And you do create more issues because now um, I have six different systems and I, I have to integrate with the seventh one to have a, a complete system for my supply chain, right? And what, that's what we are trying to avoid is to add more systems to an existing set of uh, complex systems and solutions, and so to me, uh, that that is, some of them are very good, right? I'm not saying they're not good, but they are very specific to one topic, which is going to be a challenge from an integration point of view. And then the third category is where we are, which is more of a building an ecosystem, building a platform, uh, and building an incentive system for people to join. 
Um, and we are not claiming that we're going to build everything ourselves, right? We are partnering with dozens of technology partners to build the, the solution together. And at the center of that, you have a token that actually enable the communication and the incentive structure between the participants. And that's where you can really build decentralized solutions. And at the end of the day, in my mind, the reason I left Deloitte is because I want to build something completely new. And I think that's, that's a decentralized platform. That's the decentralized solutions we are talking about. Crypto for everyone. Uh, Eric Pacini, CEO of Citizens Reserve, the website at citizensreserve.com. And the Suku website is suku.world. Of course, we've got links to Eric's social profiles in the, uh, in the show notes. Eric, thanks again for uh, coming today and sharing your thoughts with us. Thank you very much for having me. Looking forward to the next one. Thanks, Eric, for the great interview. We appreciate it. And I look forward to a day where we are tracking all the food that we consume on supply chain. I just think uh, it's going to get rid of uh, not only are we going to help to overcome a lot of the, you know, uh, bacteria, you know, and, and those types of issues with food that might not be so healthy, but it also helps to uh, deal with theft and loss. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, not only are people putting things on the blockchain, but then when you when you add that with those RFID chips, I know Walmart's doing some really interesting stuff with that with that space as well. And things are being tracked. It's not like the other old days where, you know, the Sopranos could just pull over a truck and <laughs> steal the whole truck worth of stuff and then where to go? Nobody knows. And uh but uh yeah, so so supply chain is really important. I mean, that that happens at the ports so often. It's like there a big container will come in from China or wherever, and they're like, where'd it go? Like, we don't know. Like, dude, it's a big container. It's a, it's really huge. Like, how do we not know where it is? Like, that happens mm-hmm. all the time. And then all of that stuff is lost. And guess what happens? All of those lost co- all of those lost fees and lost revenues then get added to the future prices of the goods that we have to deal with. So blockchain will actually, in theory, make things less expensive. We'd love to hear from you guys, and feedback is always a high priority for us. So you can write us at badcryptopodcast at gmail.com and let us know your thoughts. In fact, we got this piece of email from Mark Keeler, and uh, he said, I was driving home late one night and had about three hours to go. I thought I was going to fall asleep at the wheel and crash. I tried running the AC. I stuck my fingers in the window door frame and rolled up the window, causing great bodily pain, and <laughs> nothing worked. I turned on Bad Crypto and played YouTube Clowns at 2x speed. I stayed awake. Not sure if I learned anything. However, late night travelers need your podcast to stay awake. You two are amazing, and I enjoy every episode. So apparently, we are the no-dos of podcasts. I, I can't even imagine listening to us at 2x speed, though. That has to be, because you and I talk fast already. I know I talk really fast, and you, you talk, you, you enunciate more than I do, because I'm like, blah, 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 blah. Now imagine that at 2x speed, when we're talking like chipmunks. That has to be really hard to um, not actually listen to us at that speed. You do talk really fast and sound like a chipmunk. That's impressive. I should lay off the cocaine before podcasts, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are bad, and we're glad that you, our community, uh, the Republic of Bad Cryptopia, are also bad. And thanks again for listening. And if you're going to do one thing today, don't listen to us at 2x speed, but do stay bad. The 
The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor. Yeah, I was just thinking about tracing all those fish that you talked about earlier. I mean, I was really hungry. I had to, had to get something to eat before we had to, you know, we had to do this podcast. And I was thinking that some fish would be a really good idea, but I haven't had any shrimp in a while. And I was thinking about maybe going to the going to the grocery store and picking up some shrimp and get some shrimp sauce. But I, I haven't really decided yet. Well, shrimp, poached shrimp, fried shrimp, all the different shrimps. So, Travis, you learned something about yourself today that you didn't know. When you're fasting, you shouldn't get on social media. Yeah, whenever I'm fasting on day two, I'm an ass. Apparently, I'm and I'm not even aware of it. <laughs> <laughs> Who's bad? <laughs> 